0: welcome to in the Isles, your favorite lockdown therapy podcast in summary it's crass it's cringe
1: not in it for the money yet
0: i mean we've got global listeners
1: that give me validation
0: Paul Burnham Kerry Mulligan Amelia Jones Gal Gadot Dune Stephen Graham Lovely stuff You absolute idiot Epic waste of my time Bloated disaster My word, what's wrong with you? We've
1: declared Marvel fatigue
0: All sequels or reboots
1: inspired
0: piss funny
1: was absolutely awesome there's some truly shocking twists and turns in this hated it overrated i'm
0: sure it'll be ruined
1: sheer artistry
0: sheer brilliance
1: fantastic and brilliant
0: you need to see it to appreciate it
1: welcome to in the aisles the movie and tv podcast that will try to condense 360 hours of viewing content into about 45 minutes i'm james i'm dan It's the review of the year episode where we'll talk about our top five TV, top five films and lighthearted awards that mean nothing based on uh, what we've seen this year. But first off, Daniel, you've you've completed another Christmas. How was it?
0: Uh, Yeah, it was it was pretty good. And to completely invalidate everything that we spoke about last week in the Christmas episode, I spent all of Christmas Day watching Christmas related content. I feel like it's such a hypocrite after everything that I said. But it did It did weirdly, because I don't think I've ever done that in recent years, boost my festive spirits. But, caveat, there was no films that were Christmas related. It was all TV show type stuff. It was basically anything with Jimmy Carr in. So eight out of ten cats, Countdown Special, I literally just told you, Christmas Special, and Big Fat Quiz, Christmas Special. So I just, Jimmy Carr made my Christmas.
1: Okay. Did you not watch Knives Out, or did you already watch that? Oh, oh,
0: yes, no. We watched that on Christmas Eve. Do, have you seen this yet? I've seen it, yeah. Should we do a quick two-sentence review each? Yeah, okay. All right. For me, yeah, it was all right. It was all right. First First, first half, really, really enjoying it. Second half, yeah, a bit of a letdown. But overall, it's okay. You?
1: It was entertaining. Good fun to watch. Very lush. It, it did drag on a bit, though.
0: Shave off twenty minutes would have been a lot better film, in my opinion. But still, like you said, I don't want to take away from it. It was it was entertaining enough for the kids. Suitable viewing if you are are lacking something that's that's just provides a bit of fun. Like you said, it did it did that tick.
1: Shall we jump straight into the top content of twenty twenty two?
0: Yes, that's why we're here. I I love this episode. It's my favorite point in the year. It's what I live for. Not my kids. Not my partner. In the Isles. End of year review special. Oh, she's not listening back to this one. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Lift off. We have a lift off. James, let's go with TV first. Do you want to kick us off?
1: Five. Number five: Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Edge runners on Netflix. The best animation of the year. But why? Well, one of my top listened songs on Spotify was the song from the end of Cyberpunk 2077, which indicates to me that I wanted to to relive the excellent ending. And I do watch a fa- not a lot, a fair bit of animation. Anything that is supposed to be good on Netflix, I watch it. But this really stood out for how absolutely batshit out there the actual animation is. The story is quite straightforward but it's just the the characters and their relationships and the fact that the ending is so it's so brilliant at the end that it stuck with me and it's made it into the top five
0: good good and that that's partly why i find this so fascinating because i think we're we're not too harsh we tend to recommend in a roundabout way quite a lot don't we all year through so i would never have predicted that that would be on your top five but uh surely will inspire many other people to seek it out if it's gone down to the nail and got in the top five. So wire, not nail? I don't know what I'm talking about. James, good pick. What's your number five TV? My number five is, and I've no idea what inspired me to watch this, but if you listen back to the episode on which I reviewed it, maybe I said, I don't know. It's out of range. So for all intents and purposes, of Range, it's a modern day Western, a genre which viewers or listeners, should I say, will know. I do not gel with, but I sat through the first episode and I was just instantly hooked because it's not only a Western, but it is a sci-fi show as well. And it centers on these two rival families, the Abbots and the Tillisons. I don't want to go through everything that we've already spoke about on other episodes, but there's a mysterious black hole and people are trying to claim ownership of it. And there's a mysterious traveller played by Imogen Poots who shakes things up a bit with the uh, with the Abbott Ranch um, by getting all up in the business. And Josh Brolin, who is getting his business all gotten up into by Imogen Poots, he is brilliant in this as this like stoic, slightly off-balance patriarch of the Royals family. I personally find this a really hard show to talk about and boil it down so you know what is it that i actually enjoyed about this i think part of it is that it drifts quite dramatically between different tones and you don't really know what you're watching some of the time and i really really enjoyed the unpredictability of that um and you do get a lot of off the wall weird scenes but it it does somehow fit in with the weird and wonderful things that are going on in the town anyway to sum it up a great mashup of genres. I am keeping it purposely vague to a point, um, but take my word for it; is well worth your time. And season two still has a lot of unanswered questions, so I'm very much looking forward to it.
1: I enjoyed Outer Range as well. Yes, very good, very good program.
0: Moving on. Alba, Dad, four. James, what is your number four?
1: As we see it on Amazon Prime. It's the series that follows 20-something roommates, Jack, Harrison and Viola, all of whom are on the autism spectrum as they look for work, make friends and fall in love. And this is maybe the only, well, not maybe, it in fact is the only programme that we watched this year and then watched the whole thing back again the next day, I think, because it was so, so heartfelt and it gives you tears and laughter and it depicts people on the spectrum as well-rounded individuals and you're really rooting for all of them and it's such a such a positive life-affirming program i just looked up at the wikipedia to make sure it did come out this year it did on january 21st and the wikipedia says it was cancelled after one season but i don't think it needed another season it did actually and it's a good eight episode story that you can go back and watch in full as we see it
0: and I really, really wanted to watch this based on your recommendation. I'm glad it's in there because I made um, a list of one thing which consisted of this, whereby if you didn't have it in your top five, I was going to say, did you forget about this? Because it was quite early on in the year from memory, but I don't know why I'm trying to like have a go at you or anything. I just I just thought I'll see if he does and he may let me down, but there you go. Amazon Prime, we can watch that on, yeah?
1: Yes, that's right. What's your number four TV
0: I did debate putting this higher up my list, but I thought if I do that, it's only there based on my own surprise that it's even on my list. And that is not a fair scoring mechanism. So it's Andor. What a surprise. I I didn't foresee anything Star Wars ever appearing on my best of lists at the end of any year. But here we are. And here it is. So I might have mentioned this on the podcast, but I, I I watched the first like three episodes. I had a big gap. Then I watched the next three. And it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying it. In fact, I think episode six was one of the standout episodes where everyone was like, this was amazing event TV. But I just had a break and I thought, I don't feel compelled to watch it. But one night I thought, you've got the night to yourself. Sit down and just get through the rest of it. Get through it implies that it's a chore. It's it's not. But I just thought, just, just knuckle down and see it through. And it was one of my favorite nights this year it really stands out i just got immersed in this world and it was fantastic and i finished it finale tiny bit of a letdown but it can't take away from what is an amazing series i just love this i I love the way that the world's built i love the costumes i love the set design it felt in some respects a bit like when i watched blade runner for the first time it's not quite on that level in terms of like scale but my word, it's, it's just got probably some of the most standout set pieces and uh, moments of action in this year that would go toe-to-toe with probably anything that I saw at the cinema, and that is why it is my number four.
1: Well, who could have guessed that you have Star Wars content, and I don't? Uh, I, did watch, what was the, I did watch episode nine, like I said I would, but then the prison arc didn't end. It carries on, so I was like, well, how am I going to just do nine and 12 now because this prison stuff's carrying on. And I just thought, oh, I don't know which one to watch now. I'm not watching all three, 10, 11, and 12, whatever. and didn't watch it.
0: <laughs> which were probably my favourite like arc in, in this season, the the prison-based thing. It's, it's very, very good if you see it through. But understandably, you've been burnt, James, by Star Wars, and that was enough for you to uh, mistreat it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I know I know what the last... It's either the end credit scene or the last scene. But again, again, Star Wars, the unexpandable universe. Just comes back to oh, it's the thing that we've <laughs> already seen dealt with a uh, million times. <laughs> okay, well, but what was the point of all that? three Pachinko, on Apple TV, the epic, sweeping story of three generations of Koreans who emigrated to Japan, and you see in a flashback the story of the young main character when she's in Korea struggling and poor and then moves to Japan and tries to make a life for herself. And then later on her grand, her grandchild is, is fairly successful in a, in a business role. And he's having, he's involved in like buying land and in construction. And he's having to struggle with struggles with his sort of cultural identity and loyalty. And it's the, be- it's probably, let me just take on my list. Yes. It's the most cinematic, dramatic looking program of the year. And even though it, it wasn't really very emotional or moving, like, say, as we see it, on just a technical level, it was superb. It's based on a book, which, of course, I haven't read. It feels like they've tried to adapt as much of the book as they can. And it feels like a book because of the amount of detail and richness that it's got in it.
0: Apple TV, is it shaping up to be a strong year for them in these In the hours Awards? Mm. We'll see. Mm. We'll see.
1: What's your number three?
0: My number three, don't have a lot of notes on this one because uh, I'd rather you just go off and experience it for yourself, is Bad Sisters, the Apple TV show. See what I did with the lead-in. Oh, Apple TV. Yeah, here's another one. It's based on a Belgian TV series from 2017, which I've forgotten the name of. I don't think it was called Bad Sisters. But I don't think there's another TV show this year that I had this much fun with, personally. It's by far the best ensemble cast of the year. It centres on a group of sisters who hate the brother-in-law who winds up dead in the very first episode, so not a big spoiler. But how did he come to die? Which one of them done it? I just think all the... the, every character in it, really, but especially the sisters, they've all got their own individual personality and quirks, but they all feel like a very close-knit family. You believe in the relationships I was just utterly drawn into unravelling this mystery um, and, and partly because of those performances. Dark comedy at its finest, I would say. And and Sharon Hogan after this, Shining Veil, vale, which didn't make it onto my list, but I did like. And the Motherland Christmas special that completely ruined me this year because it was uh, it was very sad and in a very unsuspecting way. She's a force to be reckoned with. And she was Nick's cage wife, wasn't she? In the unbearable Weight, of massive talent. So she's had a very good year, I would say. But yeah, Bad Sisters is my number three. Those
1: two. That leads nicely into my number two, which is also Bad Sisters. And you've put it all very well there. I agree with everything you've said. But just to add to it, this was a show that was released weekly. And apart from another programme that we'll talk about. I was anticipating each episode each week. I had to see it every Friday. I was waiting for it. I was thinking about it. And when it came out, I was fully engaged with what was going on. That's why it's this high up. Along with the quality, it's that I was anticipating it each week. I had to know who killed the prick.
0: And when we get to the answers as well in that finale, I just think it it, it did what so many TV shows find impossible and it and it came to a very satisfactory conclusion and didn't necessarily go, ooh, season two. So that was a nice change.
1: Yep. What's your number two?
0: My number two is something that I have not spoken about on the podcast before at all. It is the bear, which is currently airing on Disney Plus. So if you watched Boiling Point this year with Stephen Graham, which was something we reviewed and it was a filmed in one shot. 90-minute tension-filled, you sat in a restaurant or you're in a restaurant witnessing how it all works. Very good stuff, but I do feel like the gimmick kind of wore off a bit. It's still, actually, I rated it an 8 out of 10, so I would recommend Boiling Point. But that's not what we're here to talk about. The Bear is about, it follows Kami, The character Kami, who's played by Jeremy Allen White, I've not seen him in anything before. He's in the American version of Shameless, which I never watched. He plays a once hugely successful chef who worked in one of the most highly regarded restaurants in the world. But his brother commits suicide and he inherits this Chicago-based sandwich shop, which historically has meant quite a lot to the community so he quits his job and he attempts to revive this like fledgling business and it's basically a highly dysfunctional family at battle or should i say war with one another in the kitchen almost every single episode and it is absolutely riveting and enthralling to watch that the dialogue in this is so razor sharp like it's like 100 miles per hour that it's going and it it is the definition of tense my partner actually won't even watch this because she finds it too stressful and it's it's not just the dialogue there's just a lot of subtext to what's going on in every scene so i again as i tend to do i watch like four episodes of this and then I was like, put it on the back burner. It's not that I'm not enjoying it, but I've got other stuff that we have to review for the podcast. And I went back to it and I, I needed to remind myself. So I watched this one episode again and I got so much out of seeing it for a second time. I was like, oh, this is why he acted the way that he did in this scene. And now he's getting to this realisation moment where he knows he's been a dick with all his staff, but it's done in such a deft way. It's it's just brilliant, brilliant writing. It's, it's like if Aaron Sorkin wrote more, for the middle class which he won't but it is like next level and episodes are about 25 minutes pop and there's eight episodes so i i really really implore you to give this a go it's it's some great tv that is available at your fingertips should you have a disney plus subscription
1: late entry sneaking in there the bear so is it done in one shot
0: no it's not um sorry i thought i uh, made or not to mention that It's not, but there are lot, very long takes At points, so it does try and mirror a bit of that Although I think they were made at the same time So it's not trying to copy it
1: Okay, so let's move on
0: It's oh. one.
1: Number one show What could it possibly be? Mm. On Apple TV, Severance Created by, Yeah, unbelievable Created and directed by some other people But Ben Stiller Ben Stiller's best work of his life It is about a company that when you go into work, your outside self is severed. And when you're in work, you only remember your life from being in work. You don't know who you are on the outside. And you see both perspectives. But the people that are in work, it's this constant debate that comes to a head over, do we care about what happens in the outside world and who we are? Or are we happy being in work only knowing what we do in here? but not knowing what it's for and there's nothing outside. And the people, when they're on the outside, they don't know what's going on when their own selves are in work and whether that's acceptable. It's that high concept, but there's a lot of character in it as well. So Adam Scott from... Parks and Recreation. He is known mainly for comedy, but he turns in such a good dramatic performance as well. And he's grieving the death of his wife, and you really feel for him. And you're wondering, hmm, is he is he putting himself in the severed workplace because he'd rather just be able to exist without his grief, and that's underlying everything. And all these other characters, they maybe all have their own reasons for wanting to be in the severed workplace. And yeah, the mystery of it is all good, but it's not just the mystery. It looks amazing. The workplace that they are in, the bright white workplace, it's very dramatic. Makes for a lot of good shots, nicely composed, locked scenes. And again, just like Bad Sisters, every week I was anticipating it. I had to see it. And the finale, my heart rate was up for the whole episode, which seems to unfold more or less in real time. And that's the only program that's done that this year where I, I was fully invested in the ending episode that I was almost having a heart attack. So Severance is the number one show of the year. Daniel, what's your number one show?
0: My number one show is Dharma on Netflix. (laughs) It's not. It's not. It's Severance. But I did just want to make a last minute change to keep it interesting. Uh, What can I say that you have not already finally articulated? Probably not a lot, really, to be honest. So... Don't have a lot to add other than to underline everything that you've just said. I think part of the reason that this has captured so many people's attention is it speaks to something so inherent with us all, really, in that, I mean, if you've been in the sort of job where it is kind of high pressure, you, you would love to have that cutoff point and just say, I don't even want to think about it when I get home. But, you know, the reality is that's not entirely possible. And I just think people find it interesting for that very reason, um, which is why it can be seen as quite timely. I love it. I love it. Like you said, I think it did, like we said, with Bad Sisters, but probably in a lot more elevated way, it sticks the landing Um, And it sets things up for season two in a way that that manages to not really wind you up too much. You go, oh, cliffhanger, I need to know now. It it was satisfactory enough where I had the correct or, or right amount of answers that I needed to feel satisfied. It's just a great, great season. And to add to what you said about the look and feel of it, I don't think there's another TV show this year that feels that unique. And part of that for me was the score for it. I think the music, much like White Lotus Season 1, when that came out, it felt like something else that you've not heard before. And it, it feels like the soundtrack of this year to a degree, which I've listened to quite a lot. So yeah, Severance, Apple TV with what is that? One, two, three, three in our top five collectively.
1: Yeah, Severance, Bad Sisters, Pachinko and is that it. That's it, three? Yeah.
0: <clears throat> oh my God, have we managed to stitch ne- Netflix up?
1: Yep. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, no, Cyberpunk 2077 is Netflix.
0: You've ruined it, James. should have put somebody somewhere in. I knew it. Oh, is that the Channel 4 thing?
1: Um, I can't remember what channel it was on.
0: With the guy who, or the boy, who is, like, kept in a cabin by his dad all his life?
1: No, it's not. It's the one about the middle-aged woman in, like, Nebraska or something who has to, like, rediscover her community to um, be happy. We'll just, just, go into, sw- just go into honorable mentions. No, I don't want to switch it. No, I just, it's not worth it. Just to screw Netflix, screwing themselves with content like The Witcher, Blood Origin. Anyway, we'll just go into honorable mentions because I've already started. Somebody somewhere which was clinging on by a thread until I just thought, no, I'm going to put Cyberpunk in. From, which is a good first season of mystery TV about the the town that you cannot drive out of starring the guy from lost it just felt like you were watching lost again but a shorter season and more focused five days at memorial that you recommended the hospital drama that's based on a true story but it was so it was just so bleak that i didn't want to put it in and say yeah watch this but it was very good irma Vep, starring alicia vakanda that was too artsy to really enjoy that much but it was very very good and Reacher, which was just a straightforward action program on Amazon Prime that I enjoyed, but doesn't have the top quality to really get into the top five.
0: Your uh, little mention there of Five Days at Memorial has, has pointed out the massive hole slash flaw in my rating system, whereby if I forget to leave a rating, it gets disregarded. And I did not rate Five Days at Memorial, which would have creeped into my top five. <laughs> had I, uh, but I forgot. Whoops. So that's on my list as well in terms of honourable mentions. From also made my list, so a bit of crossover there as well. And two that I think I should speak about together, White Lotus and Stranger Things. White Lotus and Stranger Things, why are you talking about them together? Only because of what we've just said with the likes of Severance and Bad Sisters. I think the nostalgia for event TV is back, and these things really provided that, and there's no escaping that when Stranger Things released its final few episodes, it was a real moment in time this year where everyone was talking about it and I don't feel like I've experienced a lot of that in the last few years and it's nice to see that coming back with these things like the shows that I've just mentioned. White Laws, um, just to add to that, really strong second season. I don't think I actually pointed out the difference between season one and two. Season two, even though it deals with class, this is a lot more about sexuality which has been neatly recognised quite a lot online. I failed to mention it in my review but it, it does examine that in a very interesting way. A Friend of the Family is my other mention, which is the dramatic TV series based on the Abducted in Plain Sight documentary about Jan Broberg and her paedophilic neighbour, which is all a bit weird, but I think seeing that story come to life, I didn't question whether it was needed, but they did it in a very, very gentle and sensitive way, and I was in tears by the end of it. The last one that I also wanted to mention, which is something that neither of us have spoke about on here, is the rehearsal which is Nathan Fielder's... Don't know whether it's a TV show. A lot of people have said it's more of an experiment, more than anything, and I think that's that's apt. Um, I agree with that statement. If you've never seen Nathan For You, which is his other show, he would go into failing businesses and try and get them back up and running by recommending absolutely ridiculous ideas. This is another weird concept where it's you've got a something you want to do in your life. Let me make that a reality as much as possible and you live that out. But then the show kind of evolves into something that I don't even know if I can describe. I hesitate to say whether I actually enjoyed this or not, but I more admire it for what I think it was trying to do. So the context at the beginning of the first episode, there's a guy, he basically is in a quiz team with his friends and he's lied about the fact that he has a degree or something. So Nathan Fielder sets up, replicates the bar from scratch, spending God knows how much money to create an exact replica and has him tell his friends in all different scenarios so that he's he's finally tuned in for what any which way this could go and you think that each episode is going to be a different scenario where he rehearses things for somebody and it is that but It kind of breaks the fourth wall and becomes something entirely different. I don't know how to describe it, but this is the most I have had an emotional reaction to a TV show this year. I won't go into the reasons why, but the last episode, my partner discovered me crying like uncontrollably. And I just think for a piece of media to be able to do that, especially when it starts out looking like a comedy, is something very powerful. And I think even though you might settle on, I don't really know what I've just watched. It is interesting nonetheless. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the
1: rehearsal. Yeah, it was good. It was just so cerebral that I couldn't really put it in. I didn't know where to put it. It was. It's more of a documentary experiment than anything else. Yeah, and you have to have seen Nathan Field. I think. Do you think? To understand that it's it's sort of a sequel to that Nathan Fielder, blurring reality and fiction to the point where you just do not know what's real. You don't know. You really, really don't. It's not it's not like, oh, you don't know, but you you do. You really, really don't know.
0: Yeah. I've I've heard a lot of people say and I I was kind of there on the face of it, but it's more of a sort of damning look at reality TV and exposing it for what it truly is, which is certainly one reading of it. There's a lot of readings of it, is what I'm trying to say. It's it's definitely open to interpretation. Yeah. So there we go. There's our honourable mentions.
1: Yeah. Should we move on to the top films of the year?
0: Let's do it. Lift off and the clock has
1: started. Would you like to go first this time? Sure, sure thing.
0: Cancer or five. So it's likely to not appear on many end of the year top ten or five lists. I'm, I'm well aware of that before you look at me like I've just done something horrific. It's fresh. I was torn because I had about seven films in total that I'd given an eight to. Uh, this being one of them. And the only other close contender to this was Triangle of Sadness that we reviewed a few weeks ago. The reason why this one pipped it to the post is that genre-wise, it is in my wheelhouse. Spoiler, it is a horror. And I tried approaching my list this year as not necessarily the best films, but the ones that I got the most enjoyment out of. So I'm going to give away the plot point that happens around 20 minutes into this film. uh, But it's one of the reasons that I enjoyed it so much. So all I knew... Going into this is it's a modern era dating film, and in the first twenty minutes, this is sort of like adorable look at this couple, plays by played by Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebast- Sebastian Stan, and how does their relationship begin? What does it look like? Oh, isn't this lovely to see this unfold? Little did I know that at twenty minutes, this is a horror film. It, it completely changes. It was so nice and nicey, and now we're in terror land and it's about a guy who kidnaps women and sells the flesh to cannibals i just think this film perfectly captures what film can still do but tends not to because of the marketing machines that exist in the background but you you can subvert an audience's expectations and you can have that shock and awe when that moment arrives but only if you avoid posters and the trailer I just thought this was really, really fun film. As much as it is a horror, there are still some pretty big laughs to be had. Um, it just was a, a very surprising experience for me and it stuck with me throughout the year, which is why it's made it as my number five.
1: Surprised to see that one so high. Not that I disagree or think that you're wrong, just surprised.
0: I surprised myself too, James.
1: Well, you mentioned having seven films there. You had eight out of 10. I had seven films on the long list of films to put in this top five. That's just how bad the selection was, which is not to say that the films on the top five are not good, but I really struggled. For example, Brian and Charles is one of the top seven films, which is just a man in a cardboard box with a voice simulator. Not to this Brian and Charles, but that's the standard of this year. It was it's, it's not been good, except for these five. Number five, a film that before I even watched it, I decided it was going to go in the top five because otherwise... I'd have to put X in there. The Banshees of Sharin, which was very well reviewed by critics, and I finally gave in and watched it at home in Manchester using a gift card, starring Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, directed by Martin McDonough, and it was the reuniting of the In Bruges squad, and it's a dark comedy set about a hundred years ago on an island in ireland two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship and it's brendan gleason that says i don't want to be a friend anymore and he does explain it a little bit as the film goes on but colin farrell is just left in complete confusion and colin farrell's character is just very he's a bit dim and brendan gleason decides that he just wants to have a bit more of a interesting life and it's about that conflict but what i wasn't expecting is how much of a dark, dark comedy it turns into. So even though you know it's going to be a dark comedy, and if you've seen in Bruges, you think, oh, I know what it is going to be. It's still quite surprising how dark it gets. I'm saying dark a lot. I enjoyed it a lot. It lives up to the critical hype. Banshees of a made it in to the top five
0: easily. Good, good. I just wanted to clarify something that I said before. I had seven films, at a seven, not an eight, because I want to back you up in what you said. Um, It's not been a great year. So I didn't want to imply that I was gifting out eights for fun, because that's not actually true. I'm kicking myself a bit because the other night we sat down and we watched three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and I did not know it was Martin McDonough's film as well. Had I known, I wish I'd watched one that could have been a contender, for my top five, uh, because it is supposed to be good. That's a good film, though. I don't know if you've seen that. I've never seen it till this year. Three billboards. Good pick. That has uh, pushed me to make the plunge and watch it. You can you can get this with a new Disney Plus subscription if you had one, by the way. So no need to fork out with a voucher, as James did. Just sign up to Disney Plus. Four.
1: What's your number four film of the year?
0: Don't hate me, James. It's Top Gun Maverick. A film that feels like it was delayed for almost 10 years. It really does. This was obviously a casualty of the COVID chaos of the last few years. And the hype train was up and down on this like a lady of the night's knickers. As the months went on and we got further delays, I I started to care even less than I did originally, which was not very much because I had no affinity for Top Gun, the original, as I've probably said many times. But despite studios caving left and right to COVID and going, oh, let's just go down the streaming route, sell it for 300 million to Netflix, Tom Cruise was just unwavering. And he said, on my dead body. my, That's not what they say, is it? Over my dead body. Anyway, he stuck to his guns and he was proven right. This is one of the biggest box office films of the year. And against all odds really it delivered i sat down to watch this and it was one of the most thrilling experiences that i had this year alongside three or four others that i've already mentioned i was on the edge of my seat despite not really knowing or loving the original i cried quite a lot not quite a lot shed a few tears at the end it was impactful and i think i said it within our review but when you actually take a step backwards and look at this film it is weird how little action there actually isn't it, but yet it still provides such a hugely entertaining. However long the runtime is, I think I think it's a great film that deserves all the praise that it got, and maybe we will see some Oscar buzz for this. Who knows? Because it was such a mammoth success. So I'm going to say no more on that for now, because I think it might crop up again. It might. That's my number four.
1: Okay, my number four. Another late entry. Triangle of Sadness, not the Triangle of Sadness, just Triangle of Sadness, which we watched a few weeks ago, which was the class comedy about some people on a cruise ship working just through their richness and how awful they are. But then mm, it's some, something happens, something happens, and the dynamics change and people have to really think about their their role in society. It's a comedy another comedy and this is easily the film that i laughed at the most this year properly laughing out loud at people vomiting continuously for about 10 minutes while woody harrelson and a russian guy debate marxism very long two and a half hours but it earns its its runtime because of the quality of the ensemble cast mainly unknown people relatively unknown apart from Woody Harrelson but they all play an excellent role and even though it's filmed with I guess a message it's about something it's not overbearing but it's primarily an entertaining comedy that had a lot we had a lot of fun watching this
0: you're welcome because I recommended. it (laughs) you
1: did yeah you told us to watch it
0: yeah as I say I only narrowly missed out on my top five which I'm somewhat regretting now for fresh doesn't feel like it earned it in comparison to that film Anyway, I've, I've made my list now. I'll, I'll die by it. Three. My number three is Nightmare Alley. Were it not for the way that I track my list, I've already pointed out one flaw in, in that, but I suppose the plus point is that I actually know what I watched and when, because I would have thought this was last year. I'm glad I didn't forget about it. <laughs> Released way back... In January 2022, it's the story of Bradley Cooper, a grifter who finds himself working for a travelling circus as a, a generic carny in the 1930s, and he works his way up to be a travelling medium. Ultimately, it's a story of greed and, and corruption, but it's the it's the look of it that I think really makes this earn its place. It's, it's a Guillermo del Toro film, so aesthetically it could not look more polished. Uh, that's not a surprise. It's dark and it's gothic and it's just oozing character from scene to scene. The performances, I think, I had a bit of a problem with Bradley Cooper's at the time, but by and large, they're all they're all pretty good. Especially Kate Blanchett, who plays a sort of femme fatale therapist. It's one of the only films that I watched twice this year, and I found the second viewing a very rewarding experience. It's just. A, a finely told morality tale with a, a real kicker of an ending that I hugely enjoyed and it made me think about it a long time after I'd seen it. So that's why it made its way into my top five.
1: I'm surprised about that one. I'd forgotten how much you, you liked it.
0: James, what is your number three?
1: Right, into the really high quality. Now there was no doubt it was always going to be in. Number three, Belfast, written and directed by Kenneth Branagh, starring Katrin... Balfe, Judy Dench, and Jamie Dornan. A simple semi autobiographical story about Kenneth Branner growing up in Belfast, just as the, the troubles were starting to happen. It's in black and white. It all looks fantastic, and every single shot, you could just take it and print it off and, and frame it because it's so amazingly shot most of it takes place on one street in belfast and you really feel like this is a real place this is a real group of characters with the history and the way they all play off each other is very believable there's a really good scene where katrina balfe does she just suddenly after not saying much in the film she just this very very long speech to her husband and the two boys sat on the on the couch and i have not forgotten it even though we reviewed it in january when we came to the top five, this was one of the three films that was immediately, yep, this is going in.
0: Nice. I'm sorry that I didn't like this as much as, as you did. I'm not saying it's undeserved of you, number three. I don't think it is. And many other people liked it as well. I just don't know why it didn't click with me. But yes, nice to see a bit of black and white in there. I've had too much colour, if anything. One, two.
1: What's your number two film of the year?
0: You'll probably find this one a bit of a surprise as well. It's the Batman. This probably needs little introduction or explanation in terms of what it's about. We all know what Batman is. And I'm sure whenever this was initially announced, we were all like, oh, look, another reboot again. But wait, this isn't just Batman. It's the Batman. So if he's got a the in front of it, we know it's going to be good, right? Did we need another one of these? Well, I'll take it. Because I love Batman as a character, he's been my favourite since childhood, and I am always down to see an alternative take on the character, because I don't feel like anyone's completely done it justice, like completely. Christopher Nolan's great, huge step in the right direction, maybe a bit, you know, controversial of me to say that, Um, but Dark Knight Rises, bit of a misstep. I was caution- uh, cautiously optimistic because it was saying Matt Reeves was, oh, I'm going to take this back to the detective roots of Batman, and it was giving off David Fincher Seven vibes. Um, so that's that's the sort of interpretation of the character that that really got my juices flowing. The problem being, I wasn't really sold on Robert Pattinson. I'm still not sure if I am. That is probably my main criticism. I think he's good. It's different, but I don't know yet. We'll give it another film. Mm. I thought it was impossible to take what Nolan did and, and better it and ground the character even more. But this was just the, the dark and gritty Batman that I had imagined in my dreams. So that is why it's so high on my list. They did what I thought was impossible, the Batman. James, what's your number two? Oh, unless you have any comments on that. No comment. Like I'm an idiot? No, no. That was good. That was good.
1: Number two, everything, everywhere, all at once. Action comedy drama written and directed by the Daniels starring Michelle Yao in one of the performances of the year. Really difficult to describe what the film is about because it does just throw absolutely everything at you all at once and blow your mind. But it's primarily about Michelle Yao's character who runs a laundromat and the sort of the rocky relationship with her daughter and her husband because they they're maybe going through a divorce but they're also being audited by the irs but then in the multiverse that michelle eventually gets access to there's other versions of herself doing lots of other wacky unimaginable things like a universe where people are rocks that talk to each other or people have uh, sausages for fingers and something that's so out there so completely random you don't expect it to suddenly come back with an emotional gut punch in the end, that really makes you think about life on the whole. But it, it does do that. And that's why it's the number two film of the year.
0: Oh, of course. Sorry, I was questioning what your number one was. <laughs> I don't want it, Disney.
1: What's your number one best film of the year?
0: Thanks for the leading and the plot description. I don't have to do it anymore. It's everything, everywhere, all at once. I would say there's no other film this year that has brought what this one did to the screen in terms of just being a sheer visual delight. I mean, where else will you find the best use of a dildo as a weapon in cinematic history? But to say that is probably a bit of a disservice to the film because it's so much more than that. And what I particularly loved about it is that as an independent film, it managed to make essentially a superhero film that had real genuine heart and emotion and inadvertently stuck its finger up to the MCU and said, this is what's possible. And guess what? You didn't need 20 plus films to get there either. I just, I loved it for that. It's very, and you've pointed out there, it's, it's unapologetic really, and how out there it is. And it does go full on bonkers to the point where if somebody walked in the room halfway through, they would think, what is this madness? This looks like nonsense, but they'd be wrong because It's so sprawling and ambitious in the way that it weaves what is a pretty straightforward story on the face of it. And it becomes this this film about acceptance and family and so much more than you envisaged at the beginning of it. If you haven't seen it yet, sort yourself out. You will cry, you will laugh, but you definitely, most of all, will not regret it. It's a fantastic film and that is why it is my number one.
1: Okay, my number one film, Top Gun, Maverick. Starring Tom Cruise as Tom Cruise flying a jet. This film, we've watched it about five times this year. And I think we watched, I, I was watching it by myself and the wife walked in halfway through And when it finished, she said, can we just watch it from the start? And we just, and we did immediately watch it again. That's how good it is. It's the best film of the year. And I want to emphasize the word film because it really feels like you're getting a theatrical experience and that Tom Cruise and the team that he's assembled, they're doing their absolute best to put on the best cinematic experience they can by putting cameras inside planes and filming planes and really doing as much as they can in real life. Another reason that I really like it is that it's its just, it's so positive. It's a positive film. There's no villains in it, Except for like the hard ass senior military people. There's no villains. It's just about can we get together as a team and work together and learn to like each other? And they do. Even the hangman character, who's a bit of a bully, a bit of a dick, even he at the end gets a handshake and a hug. And people just say, oh, you know, you're okay. You're a good guy. We understand you. Even he gets let off. And The more it's not like it's a big mystery puzzle box film, but the more you watch it, the more things you realize that all this is actually very well thought out. So there's a there's a maneuver that Tom Cruise pulls in training when he kills in training. He kills Rooster by like pulling up over Rooster's head and then drops down and kills him. That's the exact same a maneuver. That Maverick does later on to defend Rooster. And it's even the same shot. And you think, oh, they're just sort of mirroring those shots again. And the hangman character, spoilers, when he's not chosen for the mission to go on to go on like the, the team mission, you think, oh, he's it's because he's not as good. It's because he's not made the cut. No, actually, he's been chosen for the role that would require him, if necessary, to fly out by himself with confidence and just take one perfect shot to save them. And that's what he does. So it turns out that there's actually meaning behind that as well. So yeah, Top Gun Maverick is my film of the year.
0: And fresh off the heels of that, I cannot wait for the next Mission Impossible film. I'm really, really excited for that. I hope it delivers. James, do you want to take us through your honourable mentions? X,
1: directed by, what's he called? It's not McG. Ty West. Ty West. That was a surprisingly good horror film that had a nice 70s feel to it, A24, and... Ryan and Charles, the comedy film that is a group of people just went to Wales and made an entire film based on this comedy act of a robot in a cardboard box. It was funny. And I had, I had written blonde down just because I was so desperate for films to put in the pop five. I thought, oh, well that, that was memorable, but not necessarily very good. It was just, it was just memorable for how long and weird it was. What about your honorable mentions?
0: X, I really liked. Um, I'm one of the few handful times that we managed to meet up in person this year, so that was nice. Boiling point, which I'll confess I didn't like the ending of that film, and I think it only made its way in for its technical achievement of being filmed in one shot, which I was like in awe of. Next to a debatable Titan, released last year, but I feel like we only got it this year.
1: Yes, that's that... right.
0: We watched it in January. Yes, so that was the film about the woman who has some erotic desire to sex with cars and stuff and it all goes a bit crazy from that point onwards it is mental it is one of the most mental films you'll see this year and i enjoyed it um triangle of sadness just missed out and mass again which i think was this year which is a film about four people who have gone through a huge tragedy sat in a room that is the entire film sat in a room for 90 minutes discussing their pain and grief which is not a great mood booster would not recommend it if you want to uplift your spirits but is a very very fine dramatic piece of filmmaking last one on my list nice little surprise something that i was expecting nothing out of but hugely hugely enjoyed Prey, the predator prequel
1: very good so shall we move on to light-hearted in the Isles awards for 2022
0: Well, I wanted to hand award out for her. You Should Be Ashamed of Yourself and that award goes to Lana Wachowski for The Matrix Revolutions. Uh, I think he only consumed it in January so I'm still giving her the re- award because I think she deserves it because she should be embarrassed with herself. It was an absolute travesty of a film. Horrendous. Uh, and I had another one. Somebody else earned that award. It was You for Your Treatment of Andor. <laughs>
1: okay I'll add another another one into the pile tai, Taika Watiti for taking all the goodwill that he had for Ragnarok and then thinking I'm a genius I'll write this I'll write the next door film as well and I'll direct it and you made a complete joke of a film that could have redeemed first for the MCU but just put people off even more complete disaster
0: I'll back you up on that one as well if we ever face him in a crowded room and he takes issue with us I'll be there <laughs> Next one, biggest disappointment of 2022. Have you got one to hand? Apart from the year itself, Apart which was very very lackluster.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Bullet Train, starring Brad Pitt, which had a good trailer and a good concept based on a, an entertaining book. And I thought, if Brad Pitt's doing this, if he's taking this on as his action vehicle, literally, it must be good because Brad Pitt, Doesn't pick Project lightly. I imagine. It was a disappointment. Didn't it live up to my expectations?
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I think think it deserves that award. Uh, Could have been a lot better. And looked in the trailer to be a lot of fun. One of the rare exceptions where I did watch the trailer. For me, probably not a surprise to many. Scream, Scream. I know people loved it. People thought it was the best in years. Um, Just wasn't a huge fan. Personally, I see what it was trying to do and I think some things worked well. I've seen the very short teaser for the next film, which is due to land this summer, I think, which feels very, very quick, which has me a bit worried. But I'm hoping that restores my faith because, yeah, underwhelmed by screen. Next award is for the greatest thing you have watched this year that is not from this year.
1: For me, that would be Vida which was a program that ran for three seasons. And I think we watched Scream, which had Melissa Barrera in it. And I think she was in something else as well. So I thought, what else has she been in? Vida. Oh, hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. One of the best things ever, but it's like no one's seen this. It was on stars. And in the uk this is not very very watched because it's all about mexican americans and their community and how they like deal with their identity and things like that not something that uk viewers would have an interesting interest in in but i watched the entire three seasons this year and it is absolutely brilliant
0: i remember you bringing that one up but then uh i'd forgotten about it so i'll pop that back on my list
1: yeah and it was cancelled after three seasons but it does so it has it has a it does end. It has a satisfying ending. Yes, it could go on because it's not like everyone dies at the end of the world ends, but it reaches a nice conclusion, a
0: nice ending shot. Very nice. Cheers for highlighting that one. What about you? The Hunt for a Killer, which is on BBC. I believe it's still on BBC. It's from 2020. It was a miniseries uh, about... Well, it's based on the true story of a homicide investigation into some serial killings in Sweden in 1989 to 2004. Very good coverage of, of different decades, how the police investigation developed as it went along. It was in January when I watched this, so I don't remember too much about it other than thinking that was a very finely executed TV show. So that's all I'll say. I gave it an eight. It is The Hunt for a Killer.
1: Okay and finally the best actor of the year just in terms of the number of appearances he's made on the podcast benedict cumberbatch for appearing in scarlet witch the multiverse of madness also featuring dr strange the cat picture film and
0: (laughs) the electrical life of lewis babe
1: yes and the power of the dog which may have been released last year on netflix but we did review it this year so he got three appearances in
0: At least there was some, like, sort of competition last year between, I think it was Jordy Comer and Stephen Graham this year. Benedict Cumberbatch, hands down, there you go. Well, there you go. We've wrapped up what was a very underwhelming 2022 in terms of content. But there were some standout hits in there, of which hopefully we've pointed out many of them. So we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for listening. You can follow us as always on Instagram at in the Isles podcast. You can leave us a five-star review and rating. That would be very much appreciated. And you can email us uh, thoughts, opinions, feedback at in the podcast at gmail.com. Join us next week when we'll be reviewing insert placeholder. Don't have an idea yet. But James, the end of 2022, any final thoughts on the year itself
1: i think apart from the film and tv we've mentioned it's been a write-off because there's not been a lot of good content
0: completely agreed well on that note let's look forward to a uh an improved 2023 see you all next year
1: bye